Hello. Hi. And welcome to uh, Infinite Cast, a pod jest. Oh, man. We really, I really murked that plant. <laughs> oh, yeah. M- Molly set one of our plants on fire yesterday. I did not set it on fire. I set a candle underneath it, and then it bent precipitously down toward it as if to, like, a moth to the flame. And then I noticed, and then I moved it away, and now it hasn't moved back up yet. Uh, anyway... A uh, bit of bad news for all you Chris and Molly heads out there. Uh, we have been paused. We are we we have received a positive COVID diagnosis this week. Um, we have to stop the spread. We have to stop the spread. We have so to we stay. Are, uh, we have to hashtag stay home. Uh, so um, we're fine. We feel fine. It's a bit of you know, we've been a little congested the last few days, but it's basically already uh, lifting. A good lesson that if you are feeling a little congested and you're like, this doesn't even feel like anything, get tested. Get tested. <laughs> but also a good lesson of, you know, I, th- I, I think this just goes to show that, you know, if you have the fucking vaccine, then it's, it's at least so far, knock on wood, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Uh, but the good news is then that we are uh, <laughs> surprise a four day weekend without any traveling. So I think we're going to try to knock out a few infinite jests or infinite casts yeah. this weekend. Let's just finish the book <laughs> and uh, get ahead uh, of our release schedule for the first time in the show's history. That would be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but anyway, um, just saying this for no specific reason. Uh, no need for thoughts and prayers, though. If you do want to uh, send them, of course, we would appreciate them. But you know, don't feel obligated. We 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 aren't. We're not begging for thoughts and prayers here. We're not dead yet. We're not. Uh, we're not. I'm not Actually, dead. Actually, I'm feeling better. Um, but uh, honestly, uh, ac- I actually I'm laughing. It's funny. It's, it's funny, funny to actually, me. Actually, yeah. Um, just thought we'd we'd fill you in on on the secret Chris and Molly update feed, which is <laughs> Infinite Cast. <laughs> Um, anyway, so here, are, where are we in the book? Molly assures me that we are now approaching the fulcrum of the, of the text. The, se- the true, the, the true center of the text. The we're a little center. past, um, we're a little past halfway in the page numbers, but this is, at least according to David Foster Wallace, is the sort of the, 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 the middle of the annular, uh, structure shape of the thing. Uh, so we stopped last week in the middle of a, a sentence. In the middle of a sentence. A gigantic sentence. We're going to hopefully get through this sentence today. Yes. Plus a little a little more. Yeah. We might read as many as three to four sentences today. If, you know, God willing. Okay. Uh, but let's get into it. Let's. We got the tennis highlights going. Uh, let's let's get into it. So G- Gately at this point is he's been driving and then he blows up a millennial fizzy cup in his the wake of his exhaust of his sexy Aventura. And uh, it is blown spinning all the way to the storefront of one Antitois Entertainment, which I did. I read the end for this you, already. I think you read it, but why not? Start yes, with whether it again? English misspelling or Quebecois solecism, sick. Uh, entertainment. Entertainment. Uh, oh. Oh God. Uh, oh, but well, just pause it. Okay, great. One second. All right, we're back in. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we had to deal with a, uh, a a door, a package delivery. Emergency. Someday we'll have a buzzer that works. Um, okay, Antitois Entertainment on the street's east side and hits its waxed bottom making a clunk, hits the glass pane in the locked front door shop, front shop door, with a sound for all the world like the rap of a knuckle, so that in a minute, a burly bearded, thoroughly Canadian figure in one of those Canadianly inevitable checked flannel shirts appears out of the dim light in the shop's back room and wipes its mouth on first one sleeve, then the other, 
and opens up the front door with a loud, loud hinge squeak and looks around a bit, viz for who knocked, looking not overly pleased at being interrupted at what his sleeves betray as a foreign supper, and also below that harried expression, looking edgy and emotionally pale, which might explain the X of small arms ammo belts across his checked chest and the rather absurdly large forty-four revolver tucked and straining in the waistband of his jeans. That's a sentence. There's a period for you. Okay, great. Uh, Lucien Antitois' equally, equally burly partner and brother Bertrand, uh, Bertrand, currently still back there in the little back room where they sleep on cots with serious weaponry underneath and listen to CQBC radio and scheme and smoke killer USA hydroponic dope and cut and mount glass and sew flags and cook over sterno in L.L. Bean upscale survivalist cookware. He's back there eating habitant soup au pois and bread with bread and circus molasses and some sort of oblong blue-veined patties of a meat your thinking American wouldn't even want to try to identify. <laughs> Bertrand's forever laughing in Quebecois and telling Lucien he looks forward with humorous anticipation to the day Lucien forgets to check the big colt safety before he jams it into the waistband of his pants and goes lumbering around the shop in his hobnail boots, making every reflective and blown glass item in the place tinkle and clink. The unautomatic rival, revolver, is a souvenir of affiliation. Once or twice doing work of affiliation with the separatists slash anti-Onan FLQ, they are, for the most part, a not very terrifying insurgent cell, the Antitois. This is, you know what this is? Huh. This is very um, J.R. Sar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a cell of two guys <laughs> and their brothers. Except instead of the FLQ, uh, it's the FBI. Yeah. hey uh, not a Not a very terrifying insurgent cell, the Antitois, more or less loners, self-contained, a monomitotic cell eccentric and borderline incompetent, protected gently by their late regional patron M. Guillaume Duplessis of the Gaspé Peninsula, spurned by FLQ after Duplessis's assassination, and also ridiculed by the more malignant anti-Onan cells. Bertrand Antitois is in charge, the brains of the outfit, pretty much by default, since Lucien Antitois is one of the very few natives of notre pays ever who cannot understand French, just never caught on, <laughs> and so has very limited veto powers, even when it comes to such harebrained Bertrand schemes as hanging a sword-stemmed fleur-de-lis flag from the nose of a USA Civic War hero's Boylston Street statue, when it would simply be cut down by board Onanite Chien Courant Gendarmes the next morning, or taping bricks to the return postage paid solicitation cards of saint Christ Gentle's CUSP party, or fashioning astroturf doormats with a likeness of Saint-Christ Gentle on them and distributing them gratis to home supply outlets throughout their insurgency grid, puerile and on the whole rather sad little gestures that M. Duplessis would have interdicted with a merry laugh and a friendly hand on Bertrand's bowling ball of a shoulder. <laughs> so all of those like uh, Quebecois prank, like stupid prankish yeah. things have been these guys alone, I guess. <laughs> But, but not the more severe things like putting the mirrors on the back road highways. Exactly. Those are those are for the real the real heads. Uh, but M. Duplessis had been martyred. An assassination only Onan would be stupid enough to believe, command would be stupid enough to believe, was merely an unfortunate burglary and mucus mishap. And Bertrand Antitois, after Duplessis' death and FLQ's rejection, 
Left to his own conceptual devices for the first time since their all-terrain vehicle was packed with quality Van Buskirk of Montreal exotic reflective glasswares and glassblowing hardware and broom and ordinance and survivalist cookware and hip postcards and black lather gag soap and cheesy old low-demand interlaced third-grid cartridges and hand buzzers and fraudulent but seductive x-ray spectacles. And they were sent through the remains of Provincial Auto Route 55 slash USA 91 in protective garb they'd shed and bury just south of the convexities Bellows Falls VT, own a night checkpoint, sent as a kind of primitive two-celled organism to establish a respectable front and abet more malignant cells, and to insurge and terrorize in small, sad, anti-experialist ways, now Bertrand has shown a previously duplicies restrained flair for stupid wastes of time, <laughs> including this branching out into harmful pharmaceuticals as an attack on the fiber of new New England's youth. As if the USA youth were not already more than fiberless enough, in Lucien's mute opinion. Bertrand had actually been credulous enough with a wrinkled, long-haired person of advanced years in a paisley Nehru jacket, also of great age, and a puzzling cap with a skeleton playing at the violin emblazoned upon it on the front, wearing also the most stupid-appearing small round wire spectacles with salmon-colored lenses and also continually forming the letter of V with fingers of his hand and directing this letter of V at Breton and Lucien, Breton felt the gesture was a subtle affirmation of solidarity with patriotic struggle everywhere and stood for victoire. But Lucien suspected a USA obscenity laughingly flashed at persons who would not comprehend its insult, just as one of Lucien's sadistic eco-special tutors back in Saint-Anne-de-Mont had spent weeks in second form teaching Lucien to say va chier putain, which he, the tutor, claimed meant, look, mama, I can speak French and thus finally express my love and devotion to you. <laughs> As opposed to, I think that's like, go, go fuck yourself, whore? Sure. Ah. Uh, wait, is, is the person with the skull fiddle cap, is that referencing somebody that we are aware of? That, I, bl- I think I can... Sp- Boil it as the man who sold him the um, DMZ. The the Chinatown guy. What? Didn't he get that in, in like some Chinatown shop uh, that he took the green line all the way down into? This right? was the shop. Yes. Yes. Not Chinatown. I guess this is still Little Brazil. Okay. Maybe it is Chinatown. I, I, don't I think that know. that's where where yeah where they they picked it. I I remember that as like a Chinatown or like anyway, a Vietnamese guy or something. That's yeah. where that's um, what I'm putting together. Oh wait, maybe you're thinking of the time um, when the drug addicts went to Chinatown to buy the laced heroin. Yes, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, a, fo- a small foreign enclave within Boston, regardless. Okay, great. But uh, yes, this is this is where uh, Pemulus. Pemulus bought the DMZ. Yes. And this is how the DMZ came in, in possession of the engine. Because as the person who Gately killed was the sensible handler of these two Quebecois morons, and without his sensible handling, they have gone off script into more unsensible uh, forms of resistance, uh, uh, including organizing uh, the distribution of tainted drugs of which Pemulus has purchased. Correct. See, it's all coming together. And this whole handoff t- has started from Gately, who killed their handler, driving past and knocking a big gulp into their front door, which introduced us to these people. Yes. Okay. Yep. You see. You see. I it's see all and so together. I see. Uh, Bertrand had been starry-eyed enough to agree to barter the person an antique blue lava lamp and a lavender-tinged apothecary. Can we mirror. take a sidebar here for a second? We have been trying to source a real lava lamp me and Molly for like several months 
real lava lamps of decent quality and color are very hard to find. Yeah, if anyone has a plug, I mean, yes. maybe, maybe this is a prediction. Maybe he knew how hard it was to be to get it. I would, I would pay good money for an antique blue lava lamp. Well, let's go find some sketchy uh, Quebecois guys. Yeah, we'll find one. I promise. Yes. Uh, and a lavender-tinged apothecary's mirror for 18 unexceptional-looking and old lozenges the long-haired old person had claimed in a jumble of West Swiss-accented French were 650 milligrams of a trop formidable, harmful <laughs> pharmaceutical, no longer available and guaranteed to make one's most hair-raising psychedelic experience look like a day on the massage tables of a Basel Hot Springs resort. Throwing in as well a kitchen can waste bag filled with crusty old mossy boot and leg read-only cartridges sans any labels that appeared to have been stored in a person's rear yard and then run through a gaseous dryer of clothes, as if Lucien did not already have more than plenty of crusty old cartridges which Patron removed from interlaced dumpsters or was cheated in barters for and brought back to the shop for Lucien's job to view and label and organize the cartridges for storing and were never bought except the occasional cartridge in Portuguese or pornographical. And the aged person had flopped off in his cap and sandals with a lamp and an apothecary's mirror to which Lucien had been personally much attached, particularly to the lavender mirror, flashing this covert obscenity of V, and with smiles urging the brothers to write their name and address on the palm of their hands with the drenching sweat-proof ink before they dropped any of the so- so-called tu sais quoi if they were going to be the persons who ingested these lozenges. Uh, remember from Mad Men when Roger takes acid and they give him a note card that says his, na- uh, his name and address, yeah, pl- yeah. please help me, I've taken LSD. <laughs> The front door squeaks loudly of the hinge and Lucien recloses it and drives the bolt home. Squeak. The upper hinge squeaks no matter the oil as the shop drives Lucien crazy by becoming again dusty each time the door is opened to the street's grit and from the dust of the alley with so many dumpsters behind the back room which Bertrand refuses not to open the iron service door of to spit. The squeak functions in the place of a customer bell, however. The front knock of the closed door clearly is one, uh, once again big-bottomed Brazilian children playing at unamusing pranks. He, do, <laughs> he does not pull the window shade, but he does grab the, the stout, trusty, homemade broom he sweeps the shop all day with and stands there. Homemade broom? Uh, yeah, chewing <laughs> anxiously the nail of a thumb looking out. Lucien Antitois enjoys standing at the door's glass pane and looking blankly out at the light snow of dust bright against the blue-shadowed twilight, eating the American street outside. The door continues to squeak faintly, even after he's driven home the bolt. He can stand there happily for hours, leaning on the sturdy broom he'd carved from a snow-snapped limb as a boy during the Gaspé's terrible blizzards of Quebec of A.D. 1993, and bound broom corn onto and sharpened the tip of as a sort of domestic weapon, even then before Onanite imperialist impost made any sort of struggle or sacrifice remotely necessary, as a silent boy keenly interested in weapons and ammunition of all the different sorts. Which, along with the size, uh, which, along with the size thing, helped with the teasing. He could and does stand here for hours, complexly backlit, transparently reflected, looking at alien traffic and commerce. He has that rare spinal appreciation for beauty in the ordinary that nature seems to bestow on those who have no native words for what they see. <laughs> Squeak. The visual bulk of the shop room of Antitois Entertainment is devoted to glass. 
They have set curved and planar mirrors at studied angles whereby each part of the room is reflected in every other part, which flusters and disorients customers and keeps haggling to a minimum. (laughs) This is also what Uniqlo seems to do to their (laughs) flagship store. In a sort of narrow fashion corridor behind one gauntlet of angled glass is their stock of gags, notions, ironic postcards, and unironic sentimental greeting cards as well. Which takes us to EndNote 204. Jolly Jolt, hand buzzers, whoopee daisy, celebrity endorsed cushions. Whoopee daisy, celebrity endorsed cushions. Blamo cigars, oh waiter, plastic ice cubes with fly, icy London, x-ray specs, etc. Usually just trucked over along with the saprogenic greetings, treacly greeting and postcards from the Waltham family facilities of Acme Incorporated, a.k.a. the Acme family of gags and notions, prepackaged emotions, jokes and surprises and wacky disguises at a substantial and politically motivated discount, seeing that the company's owned by the Quebec sympathetic shadowy Albertan mogul who'd been such a force in the anti-broadcast ACDC and who over a decade back had exploited the then U.S.-owned, then Acme's severe PR and cash flow problems right after the serial Blamo cigar tragedies to move (laughs) in and hostile uh, T-slash-O, the firm, for about 30% of its real worth. Back to the text. Flanking another are shelf after shelf of used and bootleg interlace and independent and even homemade digital entertainment cartridges in no discernible order. Since Bertrand handles uh, acquisition and Lucien's in charge of inventory and order. Nevertheless, once he's viewed it even once, he can identify any used cartridge in stock and will point it out to the rare customer with the sharpened whitewood tip of his homemade broom. Some of the cartridges do not even have labels. They're so obscure or illicit. To keep up with Bertrand, Lucien must watch new acquisitions on the small, cheap viewer beside the manual cash register. As he sweeps the shop with the imposing broom, he has loved and kept sharpened and polished and floor fuzz-free since adolescence, in which he sometimes imagines he is conversing with very quietly, <laughs> telling it to vachier putain in tones surprisingly gentle and kind for such a large terrorist. (laughs) The viewer's screen has something wrong with its definition, and there is a wobble that makes all cartridge performers on the left section of it appear to have Tourette's syndrome. The pornographical cartridges he finds nonsensical and views them in fast-forward to get them over with as quickly as possible. So he but knows all but the most recent acquisitions, colors, and visual plots, but some still have no labels. He still has not gotten to see and shelve many of the massive assortment Bertrand logged, lugged, lugged home and out of the all-terrain vehicle in Saturday's chilling rain. Several old exercise and film cartridges a small back bay tele-entertainment outlet was discarding as outdated. Also, there were one or two Bertrand claimed he had picked up literally on the street downtown from the site of the flag-draped Shaw statue from untended commercial displays that stupidly contained detachable cartridges anyone could detach and lug home in the rain. <laughs> Remember that? The, this is, Joelle was going to that party and she noticed that there was like a cardboard that was like holding out a cartridge. Yes, vaguely. Cartridges everywhere. Uh, I feel like I can sense where this is going, but I'm not quite sure. The displays cartridges he had immediately viewed for though they were unlabeled, save for a commercial slogan in tiny raised letters of Il ne faut plus qu'on poursuive le bonheur, uh, it, 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 you know, f- it is only necessary to follow your happiness, <laughs> uh, 
which uh, to Lucien and Antitois signified zilch. <laughs> Each was stamped also with a circle and arc that resembled a disembodied smile, which made Lucien himself smile and pop them in right away to find to his disappointment and impatience with Patron that they were blank without even HD static. Just as the old rude person's barter tapes he had removed from the waste bag of their storage for viewing had proved, blank beyond static to the satisfaction of Lucien's disgust, which takes us to EndNote 205. Unknown to the hapless antitoise, this doesn't necessarily mean they're blank. Copy-capable cartridges, a.k.a. masters, require a 585 RPM drive viewer or TP to run and on a conventional 450 drive decline to give off so much a static, appearing rather empty and blank. QV here, note 301 sub. Uh, hold, vamp while I look for 301. See, uh, these formats, you know, it's like as soon as you update a format, you think that, okay, this is going to be the new thing. Then you update everything, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, we actually have a format above this format. It's just like, I mean, I, mean, I get it, you know, uh, especially for masters, you do tend to need to edit and uh, master things on a format even more above the consumer format. But, you know, it's, it's uh, very frustrating. Yes. Yeah. So the, this is re referencing just another... Um like technical note about cartridges, which I'm just not even going to bother read it because it just it is the same thing, you know, the, the, same the thing. RPM or whatever. So yada yada. Ooh, uh, back to the text through the door's window, passing headlights illumine a disabled person in a wheelchair laboring mm -hmm. along the rutted walk outside the Portuguese grocery opposite Antitois Entertainment storefront. Lucien forgets he was eating bread with upscale molasses and soup au pois. He forgets he is eating the moment the food's taste leaves his mouth. His mind is usually as clean and transparent as anything in the shop. He sweeps a little absently in front of the pane, watching his face's reflection bob against the blackening night outside. Light snowfall almost is bouncing back and forth between sides of the Prospects Canyon. The broom's bristles say, hush, hush. The tin and static sound of CQBC has been silenced. He can hear Bertrand moving about, rattling some pans and dropping one, and Lucien works his sharp-pointed broom against the chipped Portuguese tile of the non-wood floor. He is a gifted domestic, the best 125-kilo domestic ever to wear a beard and suspenders of small arms ordnance. <laughs> the shop, crammed to the acoustic tile, ceiling, and dustless, resembles a junkyard for anal retentives. He bobs and sweeps, and bobbing shafts of mirror light gleam and dance, backed by night, in the locked door's pane. The figure in the wheelchair still labors at his wheels, wheels, but appears queerly still to be where he was before, in front of the Portuguese grocery. Moving closer to the pane so that his face's transparent image fills the glass and he can now see clearly beyond it, Lucien sees that what it is is it's a different figure in a different wheelchair from the one before. This new figure's face, also downcasted and queerly masked, laboring around the sidewalk's jagged holes, and that not too far behind this seated figure is yet another figure in a wheelchair coming this way. And as Lucien Antitois twists his head and presses his hairy cheek to the glass of the squeaking door, except, but now, how can a door's upper hinge loudly squeak when the door is tightly closed and the bolt driven home with the solid snick of a 44 bullet slipping home in a revolver's chamber? Looking now, uh, looking due southeast up prospect, Lucien can see the variegated glints of passing low-chassis headlights off a whole long single-file column of polished metal wheels, stolidly turning, being turned by swarthy hands in fingerless wheelchair gloves. Squeak, squeak. Lucien had been hearing, has been hearing squeaks for several minutes from what he had naively, like the babe, assumed was the door's upper hinge. This hinge truly does squeak. 
which takes us to EndNote 206. Being out of the sociolinguistic loop, uh, L.A. has no way of knowing that to hear the squeak is itself the very darkest of contemporary Canada's euphemisms for sudden and violent demapping. We have, we've heard that before. We have. Back to the text. But Lucien now hears whole systems of squeaks. Slow and soft, but not stealthy squeaks. The squeaks of weighted wheelchairs moving slow, implacable, calm and businesslike, and yet menacing, moving with the indifference of things at the very top of the food chain. And now, turning, heart loud in his head, can now see in the carefully placed display mirror's angles spikes of light off rotary metal rotating at a height about waist level to a huge standing man with broom clutched to barrel chest. There are great number, great quiet numbers persons in wheelchairs moving in the room with him in the shop room moving calmly into position behind waist-high glass counters full of wacky notions the street outside is flanked on both sidewalks by defiles defiles of wheelchaired blanket-lapped persons whose faces are obscured by what looks like large and snow-dotted leaves and the shades of the portuguese grocery have been drawn and a ropa sign uh, hung by a circumflex of twine in the pane of the front door Wheelchair assassins. <laughs> Lucien has been taught the glyph of a profiled wheelchair with an enormous bone cross skull below. It's the worst possible scenario. It is worse than Onanite gendarmes by far. AFR. Whimpering to his broom, Lucien disengages the mammoth colt from his pants and finds that a length of black thread from the denim panel that surrounds his zipper has gotten looped around the barrel's sight blade and comes ripping out with a long high squeak from the pants with the convulsive force of his drawing the weapon so that his pants split open alongside the zipper and the force of his mammoth Canadian gut extends the tear all up and down the front so that the snap unsnaps and the jeans burst open and fall immediately to his ankles. <laughs> Puddling around his hobnail boots, revealing red union suit underwear beneath and forcing Lucien to take tiny undignified shuffling steps frantically toward the back room as he tries with a thread snag colt to cover every piece of fragmented waist-high motion the mirror shards of light reveal in the shop room while scuttling as fast as the fallen jeans allow toward the back room to alert, non-verbally, using the sort of demon-eyed, <coughs> tongue-protruded, neck-corded, tortured, rigid, bug-eyed face a small child makes when he is playing le monstre <laughs> to alert Bertrand that they have come. Not Bostonian gendarmes or white-suited Onanite chien, but they, them... <laughs> them. Les assassins, <laughs> les assassins des fauteuils roulants, AFRs, the ones who come always in the twilight, implacably squeaking and cannot be reasoned with or bargained with, feel no pity or remorse or fear, except a rumored fear of steep hills. And now they're all in here, all over the shop room, like faceless rats, the devil's own hamsters, moving with placid squeaks, <laughs> just beyond view of the shop's mirrored peripheries, regally serene. And Lucien, with the big broom in one hand and the thread-webbed colt in the other, tries to cover his little-stepped flight with a thunderous shot that goes high and shatters an angled, full-length planar door mirror, spraying anodized glass and replacing the reflection of a blanket-lapped AFR wearing a plastic fleur-de-lis with sword-stem mask on his face with a jagged stelliform hole, with glittered shards and glass dust in the air all over the place, and the unperturbable squeaks squeak 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 it is awful 
sounding right through the clatter and tinkle and frantic hobnailed bootfalls, and through the flying glass, aiming every which way behind him, Lucien bursts almost falling through the curtains, bug-eyed and corded and webbed in thread, to alert Bertrand facially that the shot had signified AFRs, and to break out the sub-caught weaponry and prepare to bunker for encirclement, only to horrifically see the shop's rear service door standing agape in a gritty breeze, and Bertrand still at the card table they use for their supper, used with pea soup and troubling meat patties still on his ration tray, sitting squinting piratically straight ahead with a railroad spike in his eye. The spike... Someone nice. else got someone else got this uh, a Canadian they re- they just referenced it before the railroad railroad spike, spike it, I think it might have been the old Canadian prime minister I I assume that he would already be yeah that's a uh, that's a classic uh, a horror movie movie mm-hmm. he's dead the whole time uh, the spike its tip is both domed his, his pea soup still still seeming he didn't even get to eat that pea soup. But hey, now that he doesn't have to fight over a single serving pea soup, yes. he's dead. The spike, its tip is both domed and squared, also rusty, <laughs> and it protrudes from the socket of his brother's former blue right eye. There are maybe about six or nine AFR here in the drafty back room, silent as ever, seated with motionless wheels, flannel blankets obscuring an absence of the legs. Also, of course, flannel shirted, masked in synthetic blend heraldic flag irises, with flaming transpersant stems at the chin and slits for eyes and round utter holes for mouths, all except for one particular of the AFR, in an unpretentious sport coat and tie, and the worst mask of all, a plain yellow polyresin circle with an obscenely simple smiley face in thin black lines, who is speculatively dipping a baguette's heel in Bertrone's metal soup cup and popping the bread into his mask's mouth's cheery hole with an elegantly cerise-gloved hand. Lucien, staring goggle-eyed at the only brother he's ever had, is standing very still, face still unwittingly teratoid, the broom at an angle in his hand, the colt dangling at his side, and the long black zipper thread he's pulled from his zipper, caught somehow now, and wrapped around his thumb, and hung trailing on the spotless floor, with slack between gun and thumb, his pants wopsed around his red woolen ankles. When he hears a quick, efficient squeak, and feels from behind a tremendous wallop on the backs of his knees that drives him down to his knees on the floor, the forty-four bucking as it discharges by reflex into the wood-patterned Portuguese tile, so that he's down in a supplicant's posture on his red knees, encircled by fauteuil de Roland, still holding his broom but now down near the broom corn's wire binding. His face is now of equal height to the yellow, empty, smiling, chewing face of the AFR as this leader, Everything about him radiates pitiless and remorseless command, rotates a right wheel to bring himself about, and with three squeakless rotations, has his hideous, blank, black smile within centimeters of Lucien Antitois' face. The AFR bids him, M'soir, sieur, <laughs> which means nothing to Lucien Antitois, whose chin has caved and lips are quivering, though his eyes are not what you would call jack-lighted or terrified eyes. Lucien's brother's pierced and rigid profile is visible over the leader's left shoulder. The man still has some soup-sopped bread in his glove's left hand. Malheureusement, ton collègue est décédé. Il faisait une excellente soupe au pois. <laughs> he looks amused. No? Où c'était toi, faisait-elle? Uh, do you understand? No. He, ma- he, made a, he made a really excellent soup. Or did you make it? Okay. Uh, the leader leans forward in the graceful way people who can always sit 
who always sit can lean, revealing wiry hair and a small and strangely banal bald spot, and gently removes the hot revolver from Lucien's hand. He engages the safety without having to look at the revolver. Spanish-language music is thinly audible from somewhere up the alley. The AFR looks warmly into Lucien's eyes for a moment, then with a professionally vicious backhanded motion, pegs the gun at Bertrand's profiled head, striking Bertrand in the side of the head, and Bertrand rocks away and then toward and forward and slides forward left off the rickety camping chair and with a ghastly and moist thump comes to rest chairless but upright, his left hip on the floor, the eye's sturdy railroad spikes thick tip caught on the edge of the card table and tilted up as the table tilts downward and cookery slides nautically off (laughs) and onto the tile as the weight of Bertrand's large upper body is somehow held by the spike and tilted table. His brother's face is now turned away from Lucien, and his overall posture is of some person crumpled with hilarity or regret, maybe beer, a man overcome. Lucien, who has never apprehended what the safety switch is or where, thinks it a small miracle that the Colt 44, with its tail of thread, does not discharge again as it wangs off Patron's temple and hits the slick tile and slides from sight under a cot. Somewhere in the tall house next door, a toilet flushes and the back room's pipes sing. The black thread has remained snagged on the colt's sight blade and in the middle caught somewhere on Bertrand's ear. The other remains uh, also attached to Lucien by a persistent hangnail on his well-gnawed right thumb so that a black filament still connects the knelt Lucien to his hidden revolver with a surreal angled turn at the ear of his overcome frere. The happy-masked AFR leader politely ignoring the fact that Lucien's sphincter has failed them all in the small room. (laughs) After complimenting them both on the craftsmanship of some of the front's uh, blown glass notions, pulls his velvet gloves tighter and tells Lucien that it has fallen to him, Lucien, to direct their attention without delay to an entertainment item they have come here to acquire. Eh? And require this copy-capable item. They are here on business. Ne pas plaisanter. This is not the social call. <laughs> they will acquire this thing and then iront paître. <laughs> they have no wish to disturb anyone's repast, but the AFR fears that it is fearfully urgent and key, this master item they now require, without delay or dissembly from Lucien. Entendu-il? Does he understand? Does he hear them? The vigor with which Lucien shakes his head at the leader's meaningless sounds can't help but be misinterpreted, probably. Does this shop have the 585 RPM drive uh, TP somewhere about here for running masters? Same vigorous, negative-looking denial of comprehension. Can a mask's drawn smile widen? From the front of the shop come whole symphonies of squeaks and low-trilled R's and the sounds of a densely packed area being swiftly dismantled and searched. A few legless, thick-armed men climb the shelves by hand and hang up near the drop ceiling by special climbing equipment and suction cups fitted to their stumps. Brown arms <laughs> busy in the upper shelving, dismantling and searching upside down like obscene, industrious bugs. The outline of Lucien's quivering mouth is being traced by a mammoth-torsoed AFR in a Jesuitical, a Jesuitical, Jesuitical collar. <laughs> who holds Lucien's own trusty broom inverted and leans in his chair to caress Lucien's full Gaspé provincial lips. The lips are quivering with the handle's wicked tip, which is sharply white, whittled free of the sienna glaze of broomstick varnish that patinas the rest of the big stick's length. Lucien's lips are quivering not so much from fear, although there is certainly fear, but not from fear so much as in an attempt to form words. Which takes us to endnote 207, L.A., 
having a pretty good intuition that the lone communicable Vachier Putain wouldn't be a good idea in this context. <laughs> Back to the text. Uh, words that are not and can never be words are sought by Lucien here through what he guesses to be the maxillofacial movements of speech. And there is a childlike pathos to the movements that perhaps the rigid grinned AFR leader can sense. Perhaps that is why his sigh is sincere, his complaint sincere, when he complains that what will follow will be inutile. Lucien's failure to assist will be inutile. There will be no point service. There are several dozen highly trained and motivated wheelchaired personnel here who will find whatever they seek and more anyhow. Perhaps it is sincere, the Gallic shrug and fatigue of the voice through the leader's mask hole as Lucien's leonine head is tilted back by a hand in his hair and his mouth opened wide by calloused fingers that appear overhead and around the sides of his head from behind and jack his writhing mouth open so wide that the tendons in his jaws tear audibly. Oh. And Lucien's first sounds are reduced from howls to a natal gargle as the pale wicked tip of the broom he loves is inserted. The wood piney tasting then white tasteless pain as the broom uh the wood piney tasting then white tasteless pain as the broom is shoved in and abruptly down by the big and collared AFR oh. thrust farther in rhythmically in strokes that accompany each syllable in the wearily repeated inutile of the technical interviewer. I, I think we know who this is. Who the guy who's doing the shoving shoving buddies. I, I think it's Marath. It's Marath. He's a te- he is a technical interviewer. Well, I uh, so let, finish this segment and then I, I I have some clarifications. Down into Lucien's wide throat and lower, small natal cries escaping around the brown glazed shaft. The strangled, impeded sounds of absolute aphonia. The landed fish gasps that accompany speechlessness in a dream. The cleric collared AFR driving the broom home now to half its length up on his stumps to get downward leverage as the fibers that protect the esophageal terminus resist and then give with a crunching pop and splat of red that bathes Lucien's teeth and tongue and makes of itself in the air a spout. And his gargled sounds now sound drowned. And behind fluttering lids, the aphrasiac half-cellular insurgent who loves only to sweep and dance in a clean pane sees snow on the round hills of his native Gaspé, pretty curls of smoke from chimneys, his mother's linen apron, her kind red face above his crib, homemade skates and cider steam, <laughs> chick chalk lakes seen stretching away from the cop shot hillside they skied down to mass. The red faces noises he knows from the tone are tender. Beyond crib and rhymed window, Gaspazy lake after lake after lake lit up by the near Arctic sun and stretching out in the southeastern distance like chips of broken glass thrown to shatter, scatter across the white chick chalk country. Gleaming, and the river St. Anne, a ribbon of light, unspeakably pure. And as the colcate handle navigates the inguinal canal and sigmoid with a queer, deep, full, hot tickle, and with a grunt and shove, completes its passage and forms an obscene erectile bulge in the back of his red, sopped johns, bursting then through the wool and puncturing tile and floor at a police lock's canted angle to hold him upright on his knees, completely skewered. And as the attentions of the AFRs in, li- in the little room are turned from him to the shelves and trunks of the Antitois' sad insurgents' lives, and Lucien finally dies, rather a while after he's quit shuddering like a clubbed muskie and seemed to them to die, <coughs> as he finally sheds his body's suit, Lucien finds his gut and throat again, a newly whole, clean and unimpeded, 
and is free, catapulted home over fans and the convexity's glass palisades at desperate speeds, soaring north, sounding a bell clear, and nearly maternal alarmed call to arms in all the world's well-known tongues. Whew, wow. <coughs> Does that la- last little chunk there imply that they like dumped him in uh, a dump and he gets catapulted back into Quebec. That's interesting you say that. I was thinking spiritually he was going to Quebec, but it might be both. I think that it might be both. It might, I mean, is that what happens to dead bodies? Well, I mean... Oh, right. I, no, yeah. They put him in a fucking dumpster. Yeah, and then he gets catapulted back <sighs> to, to Quebec. I think it works. I think it, it works intentionally both. works both ways. Is that, yeah. that as he dies, and especially with that, that thing, quite a bit longer than they presumed he died, you know, afterwards... Mm-hmm. He is he is put into a uh, a dumpster and, and uh, wow that's a uh, fairly brutal pretty pretty gross right uh, yeah but uh, I mean incredibly um, vicious and intimidating in a way to uh, to really uh, induce the violence of the uh, or, or introduce us to the violence of the AFR here's my question what time frame does this the whole chapter start in i'm so glad you asked um i'm pretty sure this is I, I don't remember what year year this said i'm fairly sure that this still happens in the november year of the depend adult undergarment so and which is after the the entertainment has already been disseminated to the attache they are yes and i think it has been it, it has been g- growing in uh I- interest because so here here's the thing Guillaume Duplessis is dead mm-hmm. and has been dead for a long time. Right. Because, and I say this because... Because uh, Gately drove... is already driving, so and his... So this is our... our the, the killing of Duplessis happened theoretically like at least 18 Eight, months to two years yeah, ago. Yeah, two years ago. Because and it's so, enough time for him to have done it, have escaped, gotten bigger trouble, gone through court, been given court-ordered AA done enough of the AA to have obtained a position of yes. administration within the house. Yes, And not only that, but he is driving to Bread and Circus, the grocery store in Cambridge, to pick up some mincing little uh, omelet ingredients for Joelle. Yes. Who, of course, has already OD'd and uh, packed up her... Um, pa- packed up her screen and left broadcast radio, which is why Mario is so upset right now. Mar- Mario's been going nuts listening to like the the bad uh, static, the bad static. The obviously the accident already happened with Eschaton. Yes, it's post uh, Interdependence Day. Like it's all hap- it's all happening. It's all coming together. <laughs> yes, but but I was just trying to figure out if this was before or after the uh, attaché thing because the thing that would make sense is that yes, this this uh you know front business of a uh, uh of a cartridge dealership would be the the you know the obvious narrative place to collect the entertainment but if it's already been disseminated then perhaps these two oafish uh quebecois were murdered for not um well i think i think my understanding is that they came to the antitois because they were trying to zero in on like they got a tip yeah. or something yeah. which it is possible that they they could have had it and then let it fly because they did not have the master car TP reading thing. So yeah. like, you know what I mean? It could have the, the real, the, the whodunit of this whole thing book is who sent leaked the, car- the yeah. entertainment. Yeah. Which is honestly something that I'm still, I'm mm. not quite aware of. And I hope this is, a, I've this, read this book before. <laughs> I hope this, this whole conversation isn't hopefully tedious for, um, for people who have already read it. But you know, that's part of the thing of having these like non-linear time 
a structure, but also then going out of your way to obfuscate an ordinary uh, description of dates of being like, wait, what year is this? What, what order is, is it do these years? Is all undergarment? <laughs> yeah. No, if, it, if it's annoying, but it is, you know, consider we've been doing this podcast for over a year now. But that's it's also good, the joy of our, of our format is I'm like, I'm, is that you get me being like, wait, what the fuck is happening? When is this going on? Yeah. And uh, then, of course, the these guys sold Pemulus the DMZ. The DMZ is currently burning a hole in their pockets over at Interdependence Day because they have to um, they have that one specific day that they're going to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, which the one I think day is that they have like 48 hours free in, in the year. Based on the, the Whataburger, I guess. Yeah. Um, which Pemulus desperately needed to go to because his standing was, uh, he, he wasn't playing good enough tennis to go so he dosed his yeah. opponent at the Long Island. It's all, it's all happening. So would you, so Wallace has said that that scene, the murder of those guys, is like the the center linchpin of the 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 center of the annular structure. Yes, and which it makes sense to me now. Like it's if if I can describe it accurately, it's almost like everything. It's maybe a stupid thing to say, but like everything in this book happens either before or after that moment. Uh, sure, <laughs> Do yes. you know what I mean. Like but that, there's also so many things, so many threads of the book that flow through that yeah it is i mean the murder of the antitois brothers by the af or the um afr yes the sons of photo i will like, never i will never say that phrase that's okay um uh, that, that is that basically brings together every single storyline yeah because and but you also have to tie it with gately doing what gately is doing which is just driving by which outside. is just like driving but he by is also outside. but he's connected to the rehab which is connected to like a lot and of he's connected to this. the antitois uh the the brothers by the fact that he accidentally murdered their handler he murdered their handler yes which it's the again like the looney tunes aspect of this which is that lucien tries to like the pull pan, his gun and he down. rips his pants and they fall down like that's funny or like just inciting this international terrorist incident by, you know, just a burglary gone wrong because you're like high and de you're you're desperate to get more uh, opiates. So you're like, all right, let's fucking. I thought I was just gonna take. <laughs> we we're gonna turn this uh, burglary into a robbery, uh, and then we're going to accidentally kill this. And guy. in both scenes, uh, incited by the comedic misunderstanding of no, of people not speaking French who should be able to speak French. You're so right. Of of the guy that he kills trying to say, my nose is stuffed. Please, please sir, I just have a, a terrible cold. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you could just uh, leave the nose free, you can take whatever you want. Yes. And then in this scene, Lucien, who should be able to speak French as a Quebecois, uh, perhaps be... May, well, it seems like he probably wouldn't have been able to save his life, but perhaps he would not have gotten such a gruesome death if he had just been able to explain what was going on in the store. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel like their their whole mo is like no no remorse, no no regrets. Getting no regrets, getting fucking impaled on the, uh, uh, in that way. Yeah, I mean that is that is a a, a gruesome death. So you think that. Marath is the broom handler in that. I think it's I think it's him. And because a, another I, it, figure with the smiley face. Isn't it the same guy? Isn't oh. Smiley Face the leader? Sorry, I mean, I I was just trying to keep up with your your description of them. I thought that uh, the the guy smiley who did face the stabbing and Protestant collar. Yeah, I think it's the same guy. Okay, um, because I, it is important to note for timing that Steeply and Morath 
their little thing is in May of the year of the dependent doll undergarment. So, it's, so it's this is like a six month. Fall. It's yeah, a okay. six month investigation at least. Well, it seems like that conversation takes six months. Sure, it it literally will. Yeah. <laughs> it will take at least the equivalent of six months. Um, the yeah, the the language thing is crazy. That like you know the uh, the inability to com- to communicate. Mm-hmm. Then you literally get like stabbed through the throat, and yeah. then you finally get to you speak in all the languages. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that I, I don't I don't know what that does other than uh, the the death part sucks. But then hopefully afterwards you can go talk to your mom again. Uh yes. Again, we're all babies. Yes, we're you're the the imagery of the mom standing over the mother standing over the crib. There, there's a reason you 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 call out for your mom when you're when you're dying. The dual imagery of the the uh, antagonistic man in the uh, in the smiley face mask from the AA segment. Mm-hmm. A lot of parallels. Okay, Dave okay. Foster Wallace. I guess not a not a cultural fan of the smiley face. Like maybe he thought it it meant something uh, desperate and unfortunate and and false and ironic about culture. I was looking into this recently too. In terms of other like high kitsch things like the lava lamp that I want to buy, is that you know looking into that that the 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 classic smiley face, the yellow smiley face, was in fact designed by someone, a yeah, designer. Yes. Uh, and I was trying to look into would it would it be possible to buy an original smiley face like one of those guys' designs like from his shop like a screen print of one of his original designs is it, po- is it possible um, to be determined? But I would like that if I was like able to get that, I think that that would be good of be uh, just having like, like a smiley face hanging on the wall and people being like, "What is this smiley face?" and be like, "That's." That's an original. That's an original smiley face, smiley face by George Smiley. But yeah, George Smiley. Uh, I'm sure that's that's not his name. Um, yeah, I think because I, the smiley face, I guess, is one of those symbols that it's whatever you choose to like take meaning from. It yeah. says more about you than it does the smiley face. Because I look at a smiley face, I'm like, yeah, man. Well, I think it would. I think it would accurately be described as perhaps the most pop, the most enduring piece of pop art of the 20th century, mm. you know? Yeah. Cause I think that that it's like a, a, a weird mix between, uh, design art, advertising marketing, but it doesn't, it's not designed to market anything or maybe it was originally, but it's become universal. Right. Well, and it's the most basic thing, which is like the plastic bag that says, have a nice day. Yeah. Have a nice, have a nice day. Have a nice day. It's it's both something that well, look, you know. It's something mundane, but then when you really think about it, you're like, yeah, I do want people to have a nice. The plastic day. bag with that says "Have a nice day" is also very uh, funny in the same way because it is like the the anodyne uh, indicator of you know ha- have a nice day as uh, plastic slowly fill the world and drown us under our own creation. The and Pacific, like make us infertile. The and Pacific like, yeah. garbage patch is full of smiley faces saying of, have a nice day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We, our, the, the entire globe is slowly being coated by a uh, uh, life strangling plastics with that are, that are lovingly printed. Have a nice day. It's a good symbol. It is a good symbol. It's a, there's a, there's much to think about. Uh, much to think about. Do you want to talk about another round briefly? I do. Okay. I absolutely do. I know it's not it, the the timing is not quite right because we're not talking about an AA. Hey, we're talking about a lot of things. But we're talking about dear God, we're talking about a lot of things. Um, yeah. So we watched another round last night. Another round, a 2020, I believe, mm-hmm. Danish film starring the God Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Uh, 
that briefly to describe it is if no if you haven't seen it uh it is about a bunch of bored middle-aged uh depressed danish men school teachers school teachers who basically dis- embark on a program of being slightly drunk at all times to relieve boredom and refine uh a zeal for life uh and it largely works until it doesn't. Until they go too far. Yeah. And that's basically the log line of it. But it is basically a celebration of uh of the 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 joy of two drinks. Yeah, yes. Um it it reminded me of uh the last time I saw uh uh who who was it? Noah Colwyn? Yeah. Where he was basically like, Yeah, I basically have two beers and then I just smoke weed. And I'm like, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Like that's that's a generally a good idea for um uh uh consumption. Uh but it is an interesting counterpoint to this because even though there are negative consequences of uh alcohol consumption is it in it, I would say that my takeaway, at least from the first watch of it, is that at the end they even even having gone through a hardship they're like no it is it's it's pretty it's pretty great to live an entire lifestyle where you're like two glasses of wine in all the time it's the knight's tippler uh sketch from a mitchell and webb look uh which you've never seen no. i needed to show you okay show um, me but i don't know it, it's interesting in a very it does have seem to have a very european attitude to it you know yeah well it's contrasted these these all these middle-aged men who have found different ways to get their life in a slump. There's one who has like three young children and their wife seems to not respect them at all. There's one guy who's basically alone. There's one guy who's been drawn away from his wife and his wife seems to be leading astray. But then it's contrasted with these, their students who are all legal to drink. Cause mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you can be 16 in, and drink in, in Denmark, Denmark and yeah. drink. And he, they start basically relating to their students through the lens of dr- even like teaching them through yeah. the lens of drinking and it's a way to relate to people which is very interesting but the the just like the insane youthfulness and folly of these kids contrasted with these guys who have completely at, at the beginning of the movie like lost their joie de vivre yeah and then they get it back but it is it shows kind of unflinchingly of when you are too trash, just how horrible you look to the outside world. Sure. Like it, that when you are that fucked up, it makes you seem insane, like an insane person. Yes. And how, you know, to me, the the thesis I got from it, which was basically like dr- drinking is good when you are celebrating with your friends. Yeah. When you are together, when, when you're you are together, doing together, when you're celebrating life, when you are like, uh, doing some feeling constructive and playful, not when you are alone and trying to numb yourself or distract yourself. Uh, that's, that's basically the message I got from it. I don't know. It's just alcohol is so weird. It's like, um, it's available to basically everybody. It is so easy to get. And yet it is possible for it to ruin your entire life. It's very easy. It's very easy. I mean, I guess the interesting thing is about, you know, we've been steeped in, into the, uh, the, sobrietyness and i will say that uh another round i would imagine in that it does have very like loving descriptions and photography of alcohol a lot so good that it might be uh triggering to the uh sober-minded uh i imagine although i i have no idea how, how that works <laughs> uh but i mean i don't know we've been steeped in this this book that uh has been exploring all the ways in in what if substances too much Yes. Uh, another round is a very interesting and, and very solely uh, 
I, I, not a very uh, often explored perspective, which is what if substance is too little? <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. if, what if you actually do really need to have a drink sometimes? Uh, just a not, just a slight buzz, which I think like not like you, I, an individual. What if I like need a drink? But what if you, you society, society could really use a drink? Yeah, just like one or two. Yeah, well, I think it's all it's the 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 the. the the material conditions that these people are in, <laughs> even in beautiful Denmark, which with yeah. socialized healthcare and all this stuff, it's just like it also work makes Denmark sucks. Look dope. Relationships are hard. Yeah. Re- parenting is hard. Yes, like all of these things that they basically find just like a slight ease from of just like slurping a bit of vodka. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought it was a a really interesting exploration of like what what alcohol is to people. Yeah, because it. It, it to me it's just it's the more i think about it that it's the most available drug yeah on on the planet and it's, what about caffeine man oh sh- yeah yes i am absolutely <laughs> addicted to to caffeine i do have a drug problem um i could not go i, I could go a day without caffeine yeah. but it would it would suck and it would be unpleasant my my fa- one of my favorite types of hilarious rhetorical arguments is uh when you see people who are like drug uh full drug leg- legalists who are like uh, every, every basically every person in America is addicted to caffeine. Ergo, we should make heroin legal. Yeah. Legal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, uh, that I could. Uh, I'm having a little difficulty making that leap. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't. Uh, I don't know if I need to share my my thoughts on legal heroin today, but I'm not sure if I've crystallized them anyway. But. Uh, it, you know that that first beer is it's great, isn't it, folks? Yes. Sometimes <laughs> a cold foamer on a hot day. A cold fo- See that that's the thing. That movie really it glamorized the the, the cold- stuff that that uh you know Don Gately talks about the the cold foamer or the you know just the the bar with the neon bottle outside where you can go and just act like an idiot and it's okay within that space. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's I, weird. And Mads Mikkelsen is a delight. Oh, he's so good. What a, we, what a tragic face. Yeah. All the all the actors in it are really yeah, good. Yeah. Well, it is really like, especially if you're a big Mads fan and you don't know that much Danish cinema, which I don't. This is like a very good, good movie of being like, if you're interested in this model, can we offer you three more? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. I'm, I'm sure if we watched more Danish cinema, that would be, be like, it'd be like, there's another 10 of these guys. Yeah, I bet there's a, bu- a bunch of guys who are like right under the surface of Danish cinema looking at Mads being like, well, we love, of course we love our, our colleague Mads, but it's like, come on, we got so many of these guys here. Come on. The, the most amazing part of the movie for me is uh, near the beginning, they're having like a birthday dinner for one of the guys. And yeah. then like, it, the Mads goes from he seems like he's a t- more or less a teetotaler because he doesn't want to drink and drive <laughs> yeah, yeah. or be impaired and then he has like two drinks and then he starts crying at yeah. the at the table just being like my life is meaningless my life is meaningless like I've let the entire purpose of life get away from me and everyone's like whoa dude <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh let's uh, uh play act and, and pantomime to try to cheer this guy up uh anyway good movie and I think you know, in our long journey through um, through Infinite Infinite Jest, a, um, a an interesting counterpoint to a lot of the stuff that we have uh, talked about. In this. Yes, yeah. Uh, so that's good. And now here we are at the fulcrum of the book, and everything now is after or and or before. Everything will continue to happen, uh, and more and more it is happening every day. Uh, that's what I like to hear. Yes. All right. Well. <laughs> uh, 
that's it for today. Maybe we'll do another one of these tomorrow, but you won't hear that for another week or yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Uh, that's it. Uh, bye, everybody. Bye.